0: You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's a member of our team with this week's message. So in the 90s, there was this misconception that we as humans only use 10% of our brains. Now, I can go ahead and tell you that is a misconception. Science has proved that it's not true. Our full brain is functioning all the time. And you might think, I I think I know some people that they only use 10% of their brain, but it's not true. We use all of our brains all the time. But there was this misconception that we only use 10% of our brains. And so that led us to this idea or this question of, What would happen if we started to use more than 10% of our brains? What would happen if we tapped into and unlocked more of our brains? What diseases could we cure? What planets could we travel to? How far of the ocean depths could we explore? What languages could we learn instantly? There were all these questions of what would happen if we could use the fullness of our brain power. And so we saw this in Hollywood a lot. There were lots of movies and TV shows that came out about this idea of what if, what if we could unlock the rest of our brain? And so we saw it all through Hollywood and Matilda is actually no different. This is a story about an extraordinary little girl who has unlocked this potential in her brain. And you saw it in the trailer. She develops the power of telekinesis throughout this movie. And it's because she is this brilliant little girl that has developed her mind to the point where she's developed these powers. And so if you haven't seen Matilda, just a little recap for you. There are really three bad guys in Matilda's life, and they're all adults that are less than extraordinary in her life. You've got her parents, Harry and Zinnia Wormwood, and they are totally self-obsessed. They're so concerned about themselves. In the trailer, you saw that they don't even know how old their daughter is. They, you know, they don't know, they have no clue. Uh, There's a quote from the movie, and it says, "'The Wormwoods were so wrapped up in their own silly lives that they barely noticed they had a daughter. Had they paid any attention to her at all, they would have realized she was a rather extraordinary child. So they they have no concept of how amazing their daughter is because they are so self-absorbed, self-possessed. They only have time for themselves. Their minds can only think about themselves and what they want. Her mom spends every day at the bingo hall. She's so worried about what she looks like, what she has. She spends every day at the bingo hall, and her dad is a crook. He's a used car salesman, and uh, he, we'll see in a clip in just a little bit, he is a crook. He sells really cheap cars at high prices, and he knows that he's cheating people. All his dealings are shady. Uh, he's just not a great guy, and they're so worried about what's going on in their lives they have no time or attention for their extraordinary little girl. But finally, she convinces them that she is not four years old, she's actually six and a half, and it's time for her to go to school. And so they send her to elementary school where she has, has this idea that it's gonna be this wonderful place for her. Because you see, growing up, up until she was six and a half, all she did was spend time by herself reading books, and so she was exploring these other worlds and uh, getting these new ideas, gaining all of this knowledge through these books she was reading. Finally she goes to school, she thinks it's going to just be you know, rainbows and butterflies as they say, and then she meets her principal, Miss Trunchbull, who is this cruel evil woman, she hates children, she says that uh, she doesn't know why it takes kids so long to grow up, and her idea of a perfect school is one where there are no kids. So through this journey, she develops these powers, unlocks her brain, and she decides that she's going to use them for good because at this school, she also meets a very important character in her story. We're going to talk about her at the end, but she meets Miss Honey, who is her teacher, and she is the kindest, gentlest, sweetest person that Matilda has ever met. And so as the story goes, long story short, uh, Matilda uses her powers for Miss Honey. She's lost everything Miss Honey has in her life, and Matilda uses her powers for good, and they all live happily ever after, as they say. Uh, So Matilda, in this story, she really didn't have a, a very happy childhood in her early years, but she did something incredible. The movie has a funny line in it. It says, she learned something that most people don't learn until her 30s, and that's how to take care of herself. But she didn't just learn that, she learned something really incredible, and that is this idea of living in fullness. She wasn't just living in 10%, like everybody thought in the 90s, but she had unlocked her full potential. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want us to talk about living in the fullness of God. Not just living in the 10%, but really living in fullness. And I hope you don't mind, I want to cut straight to the heart of it. And I just want to get down to business, if that's okay, and tell you that there are a lot of people in the family of God that are walking around and living in 10%. And I don't just mean in this room, I mean mean the family of God. There are people who are walking around with old wounds, old scars, old habits and sin patterns and beliefs about God, beliefs about themselves. There are people walking around living in 10%, but God has called you to live in his fullness. He has more for you today. And some of us in this room, some of us don't even remember the 90s. We're that young. There are some people that have gone through so many different seasons in their life and have been serving and loving God for years. But can I tell you today, there's still more for you too. God wants all of us to live in His fullness. And He wants to fully transform every part of us. And so today, Maybe, maybe that doesn't even feel like it applies to you. I think a lot of times we think living in fullness is awesome for our pastor. It's awesome for people who are on staff at churches. But God wants you specifically right where you are. He wants you to live in the fullness of God. Wherever you're at right now, He wants you to live in His fullness in every area of your life. And so I hope this morning, I want to encourage you by reading some verses from the Word of God that remind us of that truth. But first, let's look at this quote. This is actually the very first line in Matilda. It's the opening line. It says this, Everyone is born, but not everyone is born the same. Some will grow to be butchers or bakers or candlestick makers. Some will only be really good at making jello salad. But one way or another, though, every human being is unique for better or for worse. Now, this is biblical, maybe not the jello salad part, um, now, if you questioned if this was a 90s movie, that should prove it to you right there. There's not a lot of things more 90s than a jello salad. Uh, but this is biblical. Basically what this is saying is you were created uniquely. You were created on purpose. There is something special about you that is different from every other person. So let's look at some verses, and I hope that these encourage you and remind you. We're just going to start with the basics. Because I just want us to be reminded today that you were created on purpose purpose and for a purpose you were created uniquely by god so here's some verses for us to look at psalm 139 13 and 14 for you created my inmost being you knit me together in my mother's womb i praise you because i'm fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful i know that full well first peter 2 9 but your chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation god's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light isaiah 64 you lord are our father we are the clay and you are the potter we are all the work of your hand two more in ephesians we are god's handy work created in christ jesus to do good works which god prepared in advance for us to do in jeremiah 29:11. god has a plan for your life i know the plans i have for you says the lord plans to prosper you not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And if you are in the family of God, that is for you today. If you are a follower of Jesus, that is for you today. It's for all of us in this room that that is your identity as a son and a daughter of God. You are someone who is chosen. You are someone who is set apart. You are someone who was formed before the earth even began. You are special to God. And uh, let's look at that. That last page, we just looked at with that quote, everyone is born unique. You were uniquely created by God to live in the fullness of God. You were created so uniquely and so special for the fullness of God. And there is a, an author and a pastor, his name is Peter Scazzaro, and he wrote the book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And in that book, he talks about us As humans being multifaceted beings we have all these different parts to us and in this little uh, chart here we see these are all the different parts that make us up as human beings so we have our physical nature spiritual emotional intellectual social all these different parts are how God has designed us he's made us up in all these different ways and when I say the fullness of God God wants you to live in his fullness what we really mean here is that God wants, in every one of these areas, He wants you to be fully healed and fully transformed in God's likeness, in every single one of these areas. He wants you to live in His fullness, not just in one of these areas, and then be struggling or suffering in another. He wants you to live in fullness in every area. And you know what that means? That means that in all of these areas, we have to surrender And we have to open up our heart to God and be willing for God to step in and transform every one of those areas. Uh, Peter Scazzaro, this author, he also talks about in his book the iceberg model. And so when we see it here, this this is pretty clear, right? You've got what's above the surface, everything above that black line. That's what people see. That's what you show on the outside. When we're talking about human nature and and living in fullness, this iceberg model, everything on top is what you see. It's how you present yourself. It's what you say when people say, hey, how are you? It's uh, how you react. It's what you think. It's everything that's on the outside. And then just below that line, we have things that are below the surface. And Peter Cazero, in his book, he talks about how this is the area where most of us have allowed God to really come in and change things for us. We've really allowed Him to transform us in these areas. But if you'll notice, below that dotted line is everything below the surface. And these are the things that I really want us to think about today as we walk through this next set of scripture that we're going to read. This is the stuff that a lot of us who are not living in the fullness of God, we might seem great on the outside, we might even feel great a lot of days, but this is the stuff that is buried deep, deep beneath the surface. There are a lot of people in the family of God walking around with these old scars, these old wounds, and sometimes we push them down so deep because we don't want to think about them. We don't want to deal with them. These hurts, these wounds, these things that we are ashamed of that have happened, maybe not even in our lives, maybe in our family history. Things that have happened, things that we have addiction to, things that we uh, are so obsessed with things that maybe we push down to the bottom because we don't want to deal with it. And can I tell you, it's, God can do anything he wants. He is totally sovereign and he is in control. But it's real hard for something in your life to be transformed if you have pushed it and shoved it down so far that you don't even want to think about it. Uh, there are things that a lot of us hold on to for years and years and even generations that are a part of our story maybe it's our thought processes and our beliefs how many of you know that there are things that your grandparents said to your parents and so your parents said to you and there are things that you believe and now maybe you even say them to your children things in your life thought processes beliefs traumas did you know that trauma can be stored in your body that's a scientific fact. Trauma, your body can hold trauma, things that have happened in your past. When I was in college, I went through this season where I was breaking out into hives every day. I couldn't figure it out. Why? I couldn't figure out why. Every day, without fail, just breaking out into hives. And so I started going to all these doctors and allergists, dermatologists, trying to figure out What in the world is going on in my body? I've never been allergic to anything. So they had me keep all these food logs. So I was writing down what I was eating, trying to figure out what was causing all this reaction. It wasn't that. test came back totally normal, not allergic to anything. Kept going, kept going. And anybody who has ever dealt with something chronic, you know that that is the most frustrating. It just makes you want to scream when you deal with something chronic and nobody knows what's wrong. Right? If you've been there, you know how maddening that can be. And finally, I went to a doctor, and I, I laid it all out there. It was like the last straw. I can't take this anymore. This is driving me crazy. It's all I can think about. So I go to this doctor, and I told her the whole story. This is what I've tried. This is what I've done. This is what the tests have said. And she looked at me, and she said, have you ever considered that maybe you have anxiety or depression? And she said, we see this all the time. When anxiety or depression goes untreated, it will literally start to come out of your body. If you push it down so much and so often, it will literally start to come out of your body when it goes untreated, because it has no other option, no place to go. And so as we move through this message, I want us to think about those areas. it's, it's not easy. If we're being real, if we want to be real today, it's not easy to dig in to those deep beneath the surface areas of things that we are ashamed of, of things that have wounded us so deeply, of things that have changed our belief about ourselves or maybe about somebody else, things that have rocked us to our core so hard, but that we just push down. Because it's just too much, too much to deal with, so we just push it down. So today, I want to invite you to go on what can often be the long and painful and slow process of letting God go down deep beneath the surface into those areas of our lives where maybe we haven't relinquished full control. Maybe we haven't let God fully transform and heal so that We can live as the family of God in the fullness of God. So I want to invite you to do that. Not to to bring back painful memories or to cause shame, but I want to invite you to do that because God offers more. When we give Him more, He wants to heal us. He wants to transform us. And He wants us to live in His fullness. You were made to live in His fullness. So I want to look at... In the scripture, this is in the book of Colossians, and this is actually Paul, he's writing a letter. He wrote a lot of letters in the New Testament because he got thrown in jail a lot. So he's writing a lot of letters, and this is one. This is a letter to the church of Colossians, and in this book, it's only four chapters. So if you want a good study on living in the fullness of God, you can go home and read it this afternoon. Read it this week. This is an awesome place to start when we're looking at living in the fullness of God. But let me set the stage for you a little bit. So Paul, uh, after Jesus, he has been crucified and resurrected and all of Jesus' disciples now, all the ones that remain, have started to go on these missionary journeys. So they're going to all these different places and planting churches. And along the way, a lot of people are unhappy with the gospel message that's being spoken, that Jesus is the Messiah, he's the risen king. A lot of people are unhappy. so. Disciples and church planners are getting thrown into jail. But the church of Colossians is actually one that Paul, he didn't plant himself. A co-worker or a friend of his planted this church. And when they first planted, they were so bought in. They were all in on the message of Jesus. They totally were sold out and believed that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. And they were following at what Jesus called them to, what Jesus commanded them to do. So while Paul is in prison, his friend that started this church, he came to Paul and he said, listen, things were off to a great start, but they're not looking so great right now. These people in the church of Colossians, the people in this church that I helped plant, they are so worried about things that really are not important. And it reminds me of that quote that we read. They're so wrapped up in their silly little lives that they have no ability to focus On exactly what it is that Jesus wants them to do. The fullness that he wants them to live in. And so, basically what happened was, before Jesus, there were all these different religions and different laws. You had Jewish people who believed that very specific laws had to be fulfilled. And then you had others, Gentiles and other belief systems that contradicted that. And we know that Jesus came and totally fulfilled the law, but there were still all these different belief systems. And because of Jesus, these different religions now became one body of Christ, one family of God under the resurrection and the life of Jesus. So you've got all these different beliefs and thought patterns and mindsets and uh, ideas of what's right and what's wrong and what we need to do all now in one church. And so, Paul is told that these, these guys, they started out great, but now they're getting so wrapped up and so worried in what's right and what's wrong and, well, we did this and you did that and our family does this and that's what Jesus said to do and all these outside thoughts speaking in and really diminishing the fullness of God and what God wanted to do in that church and how he wanted to use them. So, we're going to start in Colossians 3 and this is Paul addressing that church. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. This is what he's telling them to do. This is his encouragement, his command to this church. You've been raised with Christ, so set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And that next slide going on, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways and the life that you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. I think we have one more. that stuff that you were so wrapped up in before that's the old you and that old you when you are in christ that old you they're dead and gone that is not who you are anymore and there's a really special part of this particular passage that first line there do not lie to each other and when we read that we might think that that's saying you know don't lie about what tax bracket you're in, or don't lie about, uh, don't lie on your tax return, or don't lie about what grades your kids are making in school, or how awesome your marriage is. It's not saying don't tell white lies. Here in the, in the real text, it's saying don't be false to one another. Because when, when the Colossians, when they were so wrapped up in all this other stuff that was happening, that was the old them. That wasn't the new creation that they were in Christ. And so Paul is saying, don't live in the false self anymore because that is the old you. So don't be false to one another, but instead put on the new self and live in the fullness of God. Don't don't worry about all these things that are crowding your mind and that are uh, distracting you from exactly what it is that God wants for you, but instead, live in the fullness of God. So I want us to pause right here before we continue with this passage and just take a little self-assessment. This is something, again, this comes from Peter Scazzaro, the author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and he has a little self-assessment for us. And now, again, this is not meant to shame. This is to lead us closer to the fullness of God. And so we're going to read through these, and as we do, I want you to think for yourself. uh, Now, this is a self-assessment for yourself, not for you to assess all of your neighbors and your spouse and your kids. This is an assessment for you today, because we're talking about something serious. We're talking about the fullness and the depth of God. So we're going to go through. I've got ten questions for you, and I want you to assess yourself. Maybe keep a mental tally of where you're at Uh, And this is our question, this is what we're asking. How much of your life is dominated by the false self, by the old you? So number one, I'm reluctant to admit my weaknesses and flaws to others. Number two, I look for the approval of others more than I should. Number three, I'm highly offendable And defensive when people critique me number four i often become harsh and impatient when things are moving too slowly and my expectations are not met number five i say yes when i would rather say no are there any people pleasers in the house number six i beat myself up when i make mistakes number seven I have difficulty speaking up when I disagree or prefer something different. The first time I ever saw that, the first thing that came to mind is a conversation Taylor's oldest time, I'm sure you've had it many times, when my husband Chandler asks, "What do you want for dinner?" <laughs> <laughs> but but this is not what that's talking about, right? This is a little bit deeper than that. When you don't speak up, you have a hard time speaking up when you disagree or you prefer something different. Number 8 I have a hard time forgiving others. Number nine, my fears often cause me to play it safe, just in case. And number 10, my body is more often in a state of tension and stress than relaxed. And all of these things, just a self-assessment, some of you might think, man, I'm 10 for 10. Uh, And and maybe some of you aren't living there, and that's amazing and that's awesome, but these are some things, these are some areas where it's kind of hard to identify sometimes because often there are things that we have suppressed and pushed down for years and years so far that it's hard for us to even realize how they're appearing in our lives, how the false self is showing up in our new life. So as we look at these things, these are indicators of the false self that Paul is talking about Uh, and in in that last set of scripture that we talked about at the end there it said there is no Jew or Gentile circumcised uncircumcised Scythian slave free there is none of that but Christ is all and in all So there were all these different thoughts, all these different voices coming at the Colossians. They were doing it to themselves, too. It wasn't outside bodies of believers. It was their own church coming with these false ideas and false beliefs and the old false self bringing it into the new family of God. And I think that a lot of times that's what happens to us. We're living in the new family of God but old thoughts Old ideas, old beliefs, maybe what culture or what the world is saying to us, they start to creep in, and if we're not careful, those voices can totally change the trajectory of our lives. They can totally change what we believe if we let them. If we're not rooted, those scriptures that we looked at at the beginning, if we're not rooted in our identity as children of God who are loved and created on purpose for a purpose and to live in God's fullness, then we can so easily get distracted by our silly little lives. And that's not to put anything lightly. But we can so often get distracted by what's on the outside that we don't live in the fullness of God. And talking about different voices that come at us, there's this really iconic scene in the movie Matilda, and it reminded me so much of this. Matilda was this extraordinary little girl. She was so intellig- intelligent, cunning, brave, kind. She wanted to use her powers for good. But all around her, almost every single person in her life, all they did was tear her down, speak ill of her, not lift her up, not encourage her. Nobody ever said a good thing to Matilda about herself until she went to elementary school. Nobody believed in her. All these false ideas and false thoughts were constantly coming into her mind. So I want to show you what I mean. Let's watch this clip. Two directional drill. You run it backwards, the numbers go down. Watch it, speedometer. Cool. (sighs) See? Yeah. Daddy, you're a crook. What? This is illegal. Yeah, keep drilling. Do you make money? Do you have a job? No, but don't people need good cars? Can't you sell good cars, Dad? Listen, you little wiseacre. I'm smart, you're dumb. I'm big, you're little. I'm right, you're wrong. And there's nothing you can do about it. Phew. Well. What? My husband Chandler and I, we got married this past October. So we're coming up, we're getting close to our one year anniversary. So if you guys need any advice, we have figured everything out. We got it all under control now. Just let us know. Uh, We don't, by any means. But one thing that we decided early on when we got engaged was that we were going to ask a lot of questions because in our lives we had seen a lot of really incredible marriages and we had seen a lot of broken and terrible marriages And so we decided we were just going to start asking questions. So when we were together with other couples, usually we, in the course of a conversation, it would come up and we would say, what is your best marriage advice? What can you tell us about marriage? Or if you could go back to your wedding day and tell yourself one thing that you've learned, what would that be? Or "What's what's the hardest thing that you've had to overcome in your marriage? What can you tell us about that? Because we didn't want to repeat the same mistakes we want you know if if somebody could help us set us up on the right path we wanted that and so we started asking all these questions and that's one thing that we decided we were going to do together but we also decided something very important that we weren't going to ask everybody because not everyone's voice deserves a place in your life and now in the family of God there are people who God has appointed over us and to stand beside us and to walk with us and thank God for that. Thank God for the people who do speak into our lives. But there were some people, and it's funny, it's usually the people that we actually didn't ask for advice that gave us some advice that we thought maybe that wouldn't be the best to follow. But we had these people, so many people pouring so much wisdom and things that we still, I say still, you know, non months in. Things that we do today because somebody told us, listen, I did this and I wish I would have done it this way. Things that people poured into us and encouraged us to do that we still carry with us that we do today. But some of that junk that people told us, we just threw it to the wayside. Because some voices don't deserve to speak into your life, just like Matilda. It's amazing to think that a child, and it's, you know, it's Hollywood, it's a a story. It's amazing to think that this little girl turned out so extraordinary, even with all of this going on around her, all this negativity going on, speaking into her life. Not all voices are worth listening to. So I've got one more passage of scripture, and listen, if you're going to listen to a voice today, if you're going to Take advice today. Let it be this. This is the word of God in Colossians. Therefore, as God, and we're picking up right where we left off. Paul is still talking to the church of Colossians. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. I want to pause right there. That is who you are. Three things right there. You are chosen by God. You are holy. And in the text, it means you're set apart. You're not that old you anymore. You are set apart. You are designed for fullness and greatness. And finally, you are dearly loved. That is who you are today. So as that person, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you that next slide, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. There are a lot of voices that aren't worth, worth listening to, but Matilda, she had one person in her life. Literally just one person in her life that spoke good things over her. She said, Miss Honey, uh, Matilda's teacher, Miss Honey, she embodied all of these things: gentleness, patience, kindness, love, and care. She was nurturing. She's the only person in Matilda's life that ever showed her any kind of love. She's the only person in Matilda's life that ever sat down and looked her in the eye and said, Matilda, I know what your parents say about you, but you are extraordinary. And I know what you might want to believe about yourself and all these lies, but you are extraordinary. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.